Hi, I'm Lanny. And I'm Chud X. And this is the world as it is today. Hey, Lanny, how you doing today? Doing pretty good. Yeah. Glad to be here, be here with you. What's on your mind? Oh, um, I don't know. It's kind of a weird day of lots of things kind of floating through and yeah. not, not having full conversations in my head like I do sometimes. It's, uh, I feel like we're, we're a little down in the dumps because of a loved one getting the rooster. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really been a, a downer, a bummer. Um, disappointment, disappointment Yeah, is a real word. Yeah. Embarrassment. What's, what's sad in this particular situation is it's a, it's a loved person who did the first two shots, um, despite our, our, you know, wishes, which was, you know, I mean, everyone has their own decisions to make and that's just fine. But then we had so many declarations of that there will be no 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 booster in there. That they wouldn't be getting the booster. And then they just do it anyway without saying anything and then are kind of defensive about it. You know, like, well, I didn't want to tell you because I knew you'd have a problem. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course we're going to have a problem with it, but we're we're all good here in general. Uh, what's What's weird is... Like, why, why did you tell us so many times that yeah. you weren't going to do it? And, and any of the... And even if you change your mind, just change your mind and tell us you changed your mind. Don't, you know, there was like a period, a, 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 a little while where we didn't hear from, from this person. They um, even lied about something because it, I knew what she, she told me when she did it and she, she had said that she had a meeting, but that was an appointment for it. So like... Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Instead of saying, hey, I got an appointment. Uh, I don't want to tell you what it's about or anything like that. It was, oh, I have a meeting. Well, if you're like people like us and people like who would probably be listening to the show. And if you're not, then you're probably already upset and turning off. <laughs> but if you're people like us, then then you think that there's valid concerns um, and health risks to taking an, an, an experimental drug. And then you're concerned about your loved ones who are taking this risky behavior. And if that said loved one even further, like also knows and understands with you that it probably doesn't help and that they're only doing it because their life might be ever so slightly inconvenienced. Like there might be one more step at the airport if they want to travel to Florida then you have to say, what do you, what do you, you know, there's risks and like, you're just, it just doesn't matter because you just can't not do the thing that everyone else is doing. And then you say to that person, you know, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge too? Yeah. That, <laughs> that's that the, old one. That that's old the chestnut. one your parents said to you. And it's now so many of us having to say that to our parents. And the answer is, is they would jump off that bridge and they always would have. And they lied to you when you were a child. And that is just, it's just disturbing. And, and it's really, uh, it's got me down the last day or two. Yeah, it's always interesting to me when I look back and I think about that phrase. Um, that if, if all your friends are jumping off a bridge, would you too? My, my folks said that to me all the time when I was a kid. Anytime I wanted to do, like if I wanted to buy a new baseball glove. 
they'd be like, no. Or, you know, and when I say I wanted to buy, I mean, I'm asking them to buy for me. They'd say no. And I'd say, yeah, well, you know, Tommy's mom bought that, you know, bought him one and, you know, like try to make this case. Well, if Tommy jumped off a bridge, would you jump off? Yeah, right. And okay, so that's that's cool. I totally get it because, you know, like I like you just said, we're here we are saying or wanting to say that to to like our folks now and stuff. But what perplexes me when I look back is that, um, you know, I can't speak for all parents, but I know my parents, when they said that to me, they were talking about that one situation because there were other situations where really their philosophy was, hey, everyone's jumping off a bridge. You better jump off a bridge too because I would want to wear clothes with holes in them. You know, this is 90s in the Pacific Northwest. You, had, you, weren't, you weren't cool if you didn't have some tears in your jeans. And I'd want to go outside like that and they'd say, you can't do that. And I'd say, why? And they'd say, because you look like crap. And, you know, whatever. They, they, weren't, they weren't saying because everyone else wears clothes without holes in them. They, but that, that's what they, what they wanted to get at. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There, um, there are all kinds of things in a lot of, especially normal people's world, where it's like you have these um, these uh, uh, social obligations to act and be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the in the eighties and nineties, the more of the eighties as it was died out throughout the nineties, there was the whole moral majority thing. I mean, that's the, like, listen to that name, the moral majority, because we're all jumping off a bridge. I mean, obviously they thought, didn't think of it as jumping off a bridge. We're all, you know, doing this, this good thing. But so think, you all need to do it too. Think about the bridge of overspending through credit and getting a mortgage that you can't afford and all the other things that our parents' generation did the boomers, if you want to call it that or whatever. Yeah. And not all of them, obviously, because, you know, like I could be called a millennial or maybe like an elder millennial, like we're on the, the, the older age, but it's a, yeah. it's a wide range, but I could still, they could call me that, but obviously I'm not that I'm not sitting texting on my phone and not able to engage with other people. Um, but the, if you think like they're overspending and like, oh, why did they do that? Well, they got a mortgage and they got a, a loan for a car and they paid for college through a, a loan because that's what everyone else was doing. And that's what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. That was the bridge they jumped off of. They didn't spend the time and do the research to actually figure out if that was the best way to go about life. And spoiler alert, it's not. It's not the best way to go about life. You know, it's interesting as you're saying that I'm thinking of uh, back in my days where I cared about libertarian philosophy and stuff like that it was a common common uh analogy that i would make with the state versus um an individual who's so deep in credit card debt like what kind of advice would you give you know when we have a uh, when we have trillions of dollars of deficit yeah you know like what's the first advice what would your parents say to you if you we're in debt on a ton of cards and you know, you're 18 or whatever they would be saying, you know, like that's first, first thing you got to do is stop spending, stop spending. You gotta, you gotta reexamine everything. You know, you're, you're doing it all wrong. And I, and, and in this time, you know, it was like, 
and but yet we have the state, and the state is never, ever, ever, ever gonna no. re- reevaluate. Never or, gonna or stop, stop spending, spending or spend know. even spend less. These these are these are laughable concepts. But then, as you're saying this, I'm going, oh yeah, you know, well, who's who's their daddy? The state's their daddy, mm-hmm. like their real daddy, the you know the one that, that above God and all else. <laughs> so so as they were coming of age post post hippie times. And getting reacclimated to 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 like, you know, regular society after after having you know once they started settling down and having kids. Once the hippies started having kids, what did they all do? They all went into debt and debt and debt and debt. They were all jumping off a bridge, and why? Not because all their friends were doing it. Well, their friends were doing it, but why were all their friends doing it? Because their parents were doing it. Their daddy government was doing it. And, you know, I don't think that's any better today. It's, it's worse today than it, than it ever was. I just, you know, I've come to accept that so much that it's a, it's a waste of time to even talk about how funny our money is. It's such a source of pride to me that we both came into our relationship together with zero debt. Yeah. And that neither of us had student loans and neither of us had anything we hadn't paid off. And when we first got together, you had a credit card, but I didn't. And you just paid yours off like each month, like with a paper statement, <laughs> you know, like no online, anything. Even and, though and it was one credit card, one single credit card that I had for what, you know, eight years. And or it something. was, it was a low limit just because you'd never tried to make it higher. And mm-hmm. you had bought it because, or got it. Cause you were, you know, to- you're told that it helps in your credit score or whatever. Yeah, it was actually, I mean, like real specifically, I mean, it was like a moment in time where I was living, I was camping full time and uh, I was in this little trailer and um, there there was, I, I decided I wanted to get a working water pump for it and a couple of other things to make it, just to make the whole thing work better. I wanted to sort of redo, just redo this little trailer that I was living in. And it was going to cost, I don't, I can't remember now, but like 600 bucks, <laughs> you know, some more some, than you can f- more, more than I could, than, than I could just like pull out of my ass at that time. And, you know, everybody was always telling me that like, oh, you're going to be ser- sorry, you know, you're, you're getting into your mid twenties and you haven't, you haven't ever gotten a credit card. You're going to, you're going to be sorry. You're going to go to buy a house someday and you're going to be sorry. I was like, yeah, well, you know, I need this money anyway. I mean, I, I could have just done that two weeks later and had the 650 bucks or whatever it cost. It wasn't an extraordinary amount. It was it was attainable. I just didn't have it. I just wasn't sitting on it. So I just went to my bank and said, hey, you know, can I do this? And they gave it to me. Almost no questions asked. And I was pretty responsible with it. But that's because at my core and at your core, which is parts of the reasons that we got married was we didn't have any debt because it's just, it's like logic to you and me. You and me both see this as logic that, well, just don't spend what you don't have. Yeah. Don't buy something if you can't afford it. If you can't afford it and you want it, then you save for it and then you buy it. Mm -hmm. So shortly after we got together, I switched banks to the same bank that you were with. Mm -hmm. It was because I was with Washington Mutual Bank and... I had vaguely heard something about it on the news, but didn't give it much thought because I didn't pay attention to anything then. And I was at the drive-thru of the bank and I was going to make a deposit with my paycheck. And the guy in front of me had put a big wad of cash into the little tube thingy 
and sent it up. And then he scooted forward to the, the, the part where he was going to engage with the teller. And they put the, they looked really distracted inside. And then they put the tube back down and I had pulled into the spot where it was then my turn to put something in the tube, but they had just sent all his cash back to me. And I was like, man, a different time of my life. I might have just put that tube in the car and driven away and scrapped my crappy car because I would be paranoid. But I didn't. I, like, pressed the call button and the people inside were so, like, confused and upset. And they finally answered me and I said, hey, you sent this tube back and it's full of cash. And she, like... She could barely like understand what I was saying. And the guy in front of me was starting to get mad. Like I just sent money to you and and this other lady didn't know what was going on. So I just sent it back in. They figured it out. And then what had happened is that back then I didn't really deposit a check. I cashed it because I didn't have a checking account or a debit card. It was just a savings account and I just get cash. But what was happening is that none of the employees knew at a time. The bank was going under. Chase was taking them over. Was it Chase? Is that the one? Yeah. It's some big ass bank that I'd never heard of before then that Washington Mutual got taken over by. And they were running out of cash because people were panicking that heard about it and they were withdrawing all their money. So they didn't actually have like cash that day to give me my money. And that's when I was like, man, this whole system is really effed. And that that motivated me then when we were together as well to switch to the credit union that you were a part of. Yeah. yeah. And that's when I got my first credit card because again, everybody telling me my whole life, well, it's just stupid because they're telling me that I'm not going to have a credit score enough to get a loan for a house if I wanted to someday. And that's the one t- thing I could see possibly getting, you know, a loan for would be to get a home, mm-hmm. some kind of property, right? Not a car, but a home. But the people who were always telling me that were assholes that when they turned 18, they got like four credit cards to the biggest sum that they could and they maxed them all out and threw them in the garbage and never even thought and, they were going to pay it off. declared bankruptcy by yeah. 25. And they're right. like, yeah, yeah, that's just all part of the game. That's this, one of the things you do is you declare bankruptcy on yourself. Oh, yeah, they just sent me a new credit card. Let's go to the bar. And then it, it would be maxed out and then that would be that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I got a credit card then and I, I'm so proud to say that... Since then, which is, we've been together for over 10 years now, I've, I've never paid a cent of interest because I've always paid my credit card off before it was due. I never carried a balance. Mm-hmm. So I've never paid anything to them for the cards that I have. And I've only ever used it. So they paid me because I get those bonus points. But what's that? What's a guy that's a financial advisor on the radio? Clark um, Howard? No, I like him. What's the one I don't like? Who's real bossy. Oh, the, the Christian guy. Yeah, the Christian guy. Oh, I always forget his name. He's super annoying. I didn't know him for a long time, but then uh, right before oh, I, I quit working, he, he was on at my drive time. Um, yeah, it's spacing out. Sorry, you probably <laughs> knew who I'm talking about. Glenn Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. Dave, Dave Ramsey? Dave Ramsey. Yeah, I said yeah, Glenn okay. Beck. <laughs> Dave Ramsey. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. Dave Ramsey, yeah. He was like, why are you playing footsie with the credit card companies? I I don't know why that stuck in my head because he's like, you don't need to have good credit. And I'm like, but that's such a controversial thing to say. Like people are pissed off by this guy saying you don't need to have debt and you don't need to have credit. Uh And still to this day, we have like nearly 800 credit score, each of us. And we've never used it. And when we did try to use it, we went to the bank and we were exploring our options for buying property before we moved here. Yeah. 
And they were like, wow, you you know, your credit score is great. It's almost $800. Um, but you don't have any loans out. So you're, you're, you don't have any payments due. Nope. They're like, well, see, you don't have a payment history. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was like, wait, what? My payment history is that I use this one credit card for gas every time I get gas. Yeah. And then I pay it off. They're like, yeah, but you don't carry a balance. Right. So it doesn't show in some like. It doesn't show like if you got a car loan and you paid it off every month, that would show you were consistently making payments on your car loan. Mm -hmm. But this is basically that you don't have credit. And I'm like, so what the f what are we doing? They, they're literally telling us we can't trust you unless you have debt. Yeah. And it's like, uh, we're the perfect example well, of a person that would be low risk. Yeah, you know what? I mean, that's exactly it is they don't want to loan money to, dare I say, smart people like us. Uh, not that we're that smart, but I mean, like, um, I, but you know, like if you look at our, our, our finance history, you go, oh, here's some people who don't play the game. They're not going into debt. They're not doing what daddy state does. They're not doing what their parents did yeah. They're We're just kind of, uh, we're kind of opting out on all of that. Like I, I, I feel pretty confident that we would have been successful in getting a loan in one way or another. Oh, eventually, yes. If, we just know. had to do more things to show it, but we didn't yeah, continue it, to pursue that at that time. But when they first glance at it, they're like, they're like, no, no, you guys are are no good. Like, where where are all your um, consolidated credit card bills? You know, like, well, how many times have you consolidated all your credit card debt? You know, like, <laughs> and it's like never. No, well, I don't know. You don't sound very responsible well, if you don't you, consolidate your credit card. You've debt. never had a car and loan. It's like, yeah, but we've never had credit card debt. Yeah, no, of course you've had credit card debt. Yeah. Right? And, and it shows a lot of responsibility when you consolidate that debt. You know, <laughs> I don't even understand. I mean, I know the word consolidate, so yeah, I assume I just, what I, it means. I, I just but know I don't... the ads or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's uh, because I, you have I, I so it. many different credit cards and so many different bills that it's hard to keep track of. And, and, and you then, got all the interest on each one, which is a different rate on each one. So one credit card company offers to buy all of that debt. Yeah. And then you pay one payment and it's usually then you're getting ripped off. You're paying interest and, to another person. And I know these people weren't asking about that specifically, no, but, it, it but it's, but I'm using it as an example of that. You know, it's just the idea that, well, you guys aren't, you guys aren't playing the game that we've set up. So like, why would we give you money? We were definitely uh, the unicorn to the, this loan officer that talked to us. <laughs> like they've never seen any, anyone like us. Yeah, that's for sure. And it, it's, it's weird. I, I don't know. Um, and I, I mean, we got, we got off there from talking about the risky behavior that so many of our, our boomer relatives are taking at this time. And it's just this, this idea of like, you just follow suit. And if your friends are doing it, then it's okay. But it's not like any friends. It's like the popular kids If the popular kids are doing it, then it's okay. And so that's why like, there's so much power in the media and there's so much power in celebrity. And now like you can even deduce that down to celebrity, meaning like influencers like Instagram and Twitter sure. and whatever else. I don't understand what's the ticky talk one or that's it. Ticky talk. <laughs> ticky talk. When, well, I don't know. Like, uh, it's just those people have well, so many, they, they make certain things look popular and this is what's cool and you should get butt implants that's and That's what's Botox. so fucked up about all of this though, is because it makes this look cool. And we're, we're talking, let's let's not forget, we're talking about fucking vaccinations here. <laughs> it's not cool. If and anything, it's, it's it's like, even if it's necessary, it's not but cool. It's But I mean, it just, it goes so fucking deep. It's like, 
I don't know. You know, I don't want to get worked up about this because I, I honestly, I think that we should pay no attention to coronavirus anymore and quit feeding the beast and let it go away. But I do get worked up about it because like I'm, I am of uh, mind that I'm not certain that viruses even exist, let alone understand how they work, let alone f- fucking this, this vaccine is experimental. It's an RNA gene therapy. And I know, yeah, I've read the, I've read the, 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 um, the fact checker things that people send and they say, no, it's not, it's not gene therapy. See, look at these statements where they say it's gene therapy, but we're not going to call it that. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to cr- change the definition of that so that it's we, convenient. We've changed the definition. So, you know, it's just, it's just going to have your, um, our, uh, MRNA, you know, duplicate this thing and copy it over and over again and send it throughout your system. And it's just like, okay. Well, so that's different than in a traditional vaccine. Well, it used to be different than the traditional vaccine, they might say, but it's not anymore because we've changed the definition of what a traditional vaccine is. And now that traditional vaccine fits this. So yes, it would have been considered experimental like two years ago, but we're living in 2022 now and it's not experimental yeah, get anymore. get with the times, man. You know what's really interesting to me with all of that? When 2020 first hit, for some reason, I thought it was a really great time to revisit the, the book 1984 by George Orwell. And um, we, we got it on uh, audiobook so mm-hmm. that we could listen when we were working. And I listened to that and it hit me so hard that time of this idea that the truth is always being removed and hidden and changed in real time. And that this book wasn't so great at predicting the future. That book was talking about present day then. Yeah, nineteen forty. I can't remember. 45 to 49. It was in the 40s. Was it? Yeah, it wasn't quite 50, but it was almost. But it was talking about that because that's what was happening then. He, they understood that propaganda was, was confusing us about wars and keeping us scared so that they had control over us. And yes, it was an exaggeration and it was different and it was set in the future, but it's not, it's not that he was predicting something. He's not a prophet in that he was predicting something. He was calling what he saw at that time. Yeah. And it's made me realize, like, if there's anything that's almost comforting is that it's not that it's ever... There's always been evil and there's always been the powers that shouldn't be trying to control the masses. And a lot of us have been hypnotized for a very long time. And, and I think the hypnotized seem to be getting worse and worse and worse. The boomer generation and the whole like hippies and then what they moved into, they were asleep and didn't really have any convictions. There's so many people our parents age that went to church because they were going through the motions, but have no spirituality and don't know God, for instance. But they went to church every Sunday and they had Bible study at the house and they made gross potato salad with Miracle Whip for every Uh, potluck. Okay, so you're talking about my parents. (laughs) I'm talking about your parents. gotcha. Jell-O salad, aspic or whatever. (laughs) Jell-O with uh, marshmallows in it. Yeah. marshmallows and grapes or something. (laughs) (laughs) But those people, like... They're, they're, they were gone. And like, those are the people that are allowing this to happen. But then at the same time, right now, now more than ever, I see more people waking to this that I'm surprised by than I ever had had in the eighties or the nineties. And it's just, it's hopeful to me that 
this is nothing new and we've always weathered it. And I think maybe more people are awake now than they were before. And so we can just hope that they're, they're, that those people, you know, you have kids and you teach them the truth and you keep around people that want to speak the truth and be genuine and real people. And you can feel that, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's an exchange of energy all the time with any interaction. And we feel that together. Uh, my most, like the real one is like, if I'm nursing the baby, there's this like real exchange of energy. That's like a tangible one where I made milk and it's going into him and he is growing mm-hmm. and he's comforted by it. But then there's all these other ones like, and you know, you just, just for fun, you can back that up farther. Like you're taking in nutrients and oh, energy sure. to create that, which yeah. is then path, you know, and that's that I, the earth is creating those things. Oh, and a farmer you know, put their energy into tending the soil to yeah, create there's, that there's food. There's like so much build up to that moment. And that's always what's given me hope about like, not that you go to heaven, but that energy is never, never disappears. It's just transferred. So, so being your death being something else's growth is always a real thing. But what I was getting at is that real exchanges of energy can happen every, I mean, even strange things like seeing someone yawn and you yawn or the way women's cycles get, um, matched up synced up up when they're in close quarters with each other for a long time like if you if if i've ever worked with a lot of women like eventually we're all crabby on the same days you didn't take longer in the bathroom it's just it's a thing so then that's real and tangible that that's like you can see those things but then there's all this other stuff that we don't see and especially unless some of us who look for it can but these exchanges of energies that are small um, a smile, somebody winking at you, meeting someone's gaze from across a crowded area. Wait, meeting their gaze? Gaze. Oh, gaze. I thought you said gaze. I did say gaze. Okay, I thought you meant like that person's gaze that are across the room. <laughs> There's some gaze across the room. They're mine. They're, those are my gaze. <laughs> that's stupid. Did you, you want to meet my meeting gaze? Meeting my gaze. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I that's didn't mean to really do that really dumb. Okay, I I'm love so it. I'm so stupid. That's my favorite. I was listening to Negative Land today. Yeah, that's what you get scrambled brains <laughs> but you know um then you when you're closer to somebody and like if they some if someone says some you know maybe i'm an empath but when i even when i worked at the body shop if someone came in with a car accident and they were struggling with it and i could see that like i could feel that that root yeah. energy like so if i allowed myself to be in that moment with that person, tears could well in my eyes. I could get goosebumps. I, I, you know, you share the feeling with that person and I didn't, they were strangers and I didn't know them. And I, I, I honestly, I don't care about their, their Lexus having a scratch on it, but that emotion in them was very genuine and real in that time. And you can share that now, like when you go to the grocery store and you have a real encounter with someone is rare anymore. And it, it was before 2020, and now that people are masked, it's even more so. So those, those masks are taken away from that real human interaction that gives us all energy. That, it's like a yeah. spark that we create with each other. And, but now, when you go to the store in a place where everyone's supposed to be masked, and that the majority are, and you're not wearing one, that cha- exchange of energy between those two people, that's really something special. Sure. Like I go to the grocery store and I'm with my kids and we have our faces showing and it's a little nerve wracking at first. Uh, sometimes you're not going to know how it's going to be met. 
and then we see someone from across the room and it's usually another mother with little kids. And it's like, I'm like waving at this lady and we're smiling and we might have a conversation. Maybe we don't at all. And it's just like this quiet, like, ex- like good feeling that you're not alone, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's this is it's a lost that that exchange that type of communication that exchange of energy is is lost in our society and I think it's important that it's being found by people like us. So a mind blowing moment for me in my development of uh, I guess you could say in my in my awakening towards things uh, you know I might have already thought I was awake in some ways or whatever but I, I don't know there was this moment. I think Thaddeus Russell and Daniel Coffeen were talking and they were talking about um, um, affect. Yeah. The affect in a room and how that is something that, I mean, I'm sure there there are naysayers to this, but it's something that for all intents and purposes, everyone can sense Oh, can, yeah. Not, not even necessarily sense, but everyone can accept that there is affect. Right. Well, you walk in and you say, oh, the vibes in here are bad or, oh, this uh-huh. this is heavy. You when know, you, when you walk in, when when you go, when you go over to your friend's house and you show up and the two have been arguing, mm-hmm. husband and wife have been arguing intensely for the last hour. They may or may not have been crying and things like that. But we'll say that, you know, because of the lighting or whatever, you can't see that they've been crying or that they're upset, but you walk in and you, you don't walk in and just, hi, how's it going? Everything, you know, like, you know, you don't just walk in and bring your own energy in there. You're met with this other energy, this affect that's been in there and you have to adjust to that. And that is something that just about everyone can accept exists. It is also absolutely positively not measurable not scientific, not um, not real in the science Like, according to science, affect is not real. That's just... It not. hasn't... Well, a lot of things aren't real because it's never been studied and it's never been proven, right? And also, all of this reminds me a lot of terrain theory. That's what I'm thinking as well. You know, it's... Um, I mean... Affect is is part of the concept of terrain theory, at least in my mind and my understanding of that at this time. Uh, all the idea, the idea of you're talking about menstrual cycles uh, syncing up, yawns. Um, well, these. they've done stuff there. I, I wish I knew more, but I, I've read some from maybe Sally Fallon Morell and uh, Kaufman book but he they talked about like putting two tubes of something next to each other not touching fully enclosed and those things taking on car- characteristics of the other oh okay that and, and i i can't there's a new documentary coming that's out that's already had its premiere but it's going to be available for purchase march 1st it's called terrain and that's definitely like on my list of want to see that right away it's well, it's got some great people involved and what's osmosis uh that's something that yeah like the way something absorbs through yeah something like else. like if you keep like banana and an orange in the same bowl for a couple of weeks and you go to eat the banana it can take on characteristics of that orange like you might taste the orange a little bit in there sure it pulls and, it through somehow and i think that they call that osmosis i think i'm no i'm no scientist here folks but um I think that's that you know that's my my you know seventh grade understanding yeah we're of way it out of our whatever. league here uh but 
that it's not like the oils from the the orange are seeping into the banana and vice versa. It's just this this transfer of the of I mean it would end up being the oils because that's what I I think would be what makes that flavor that's in there. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but I mean that 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 idea. The same with you know the menstrual cycle idea is is why people always say well if viruses aren't real then how come I get a cold when my boyfriend has a cold. And the answer to that is because our bodies communicate in ways that we can't see or understand. And that it tell maybe it's sending off a signal that, hey, it's time to detox. You need mm-hmm. to flush out. It's like a self-cleaning system. Mm-hmm. And so like we make mucus and, and that grabs the stuff that needs to get out, like pollutants and toxins and metals and other things. And you get it out of your body, whether that's vomiting, diarrhea, snot, you know, earwax, well, your eyes watering. I think there's a lot of questions about disease in general that are less answered than a lot of people think. You know, we've got my famous story. I don't think I've particularly told it on this podcast, but anybody listening has probably heard me talk about my my flat earth moment from before I'd heard of flat earth because I was trying to to think of ways. Oh, I heard that, you mention it on the Into the Apocalypse with uh, Watkin, Watson, Watson Atkinson. Atkinson. Yeah. yeah, and I, and I have a few other times on there in some other podcasts as well. But it's... um. Uh, I was on this 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 uh, kick where I was coming to believe that all science is faith based. You have to have faith at least in the scientists who tell you what this information is, and that that's as much of a faith as any kind of religion. And one of the things that I really drove in before I ever pulled that that amazing <laughs> concept of flat Earth. Well, I didn't ever say flat Earth. Uh, but, uh, that we don't know whether or not the earth's round, you have to have faith and trust and other astronauts who've been up and seen it. Um, but one that I leaned on a lot more than that was, um, germ theory, which I didn't even know at that time was called germ theory, but I'd say, well, what about germs? Germs, you know, like I, I understand what you, what, what we all understand sitting at this table in this bar right now of like how germs work. Cause I've, been through enough school to, sure. to I, you know, I've watched enough TV to get that concept. But um, for one thing, how many of you have ever have ever actually looked at a germ under a microscope? And a couple people might say yes. But how many of you could take blood from someone, put that under a microscope, find the germ? And furthermore, it, does anybody here have the ability to see that germ, see what it's doing, understand what it's doing, try to manipulate what it's doing? You know, like all these things that are, you know, it's just taken for granted that we 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 know all these things because we have this faith in this science. And then, you know, the, the final nail on that one was that I'd always point out, plus, what if our microscopes aren't strong enough? What if the germ is actually a symptom of what's making us sick and it's something even smaller and that we need, you know, again, this is years ago. This isn't, you know, I don't spend any time thinking like this anymore cause I'm busier like reading about terrain theory and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's like this, I'm a drunk as fuck and I'm just thinking just on my toes and I'm going, things. I'm going, yeah, you know what? Actually, I don't know a goddamn thing about how sickness works. And if I believe anyone with a true, true to their selves, intellectual curiosity will examine things and come to that same conclusion that they don't know shit. But instead, you know, it's that, it's that concept of the, the smarter you are, 
I don't know, the smarter you are, the dumber you are. Um, that, well, I'm smart and I read how germs work, therefore I know how germs work. Even though you can't demonstrate it, you can't explain it, you can't fucking do shit with that knowledge, but you know it. And then here I am, a drunk piece of shit punk in a bar who's just like, just trying to think this out. You know, this is 15 years ago and I'm just trying to, you know, I'm just trying to figure out like, well, well you know, maybe it doesn't work like that. Um, you know, I, uh, I even around that time too, I was messing with the idea. Well, what if luck was a virus? I think that was something I would say. What if luck's a virus, you know, and like you can catch it and lose it, you know, it's like contagious. Yeah. And that, and that was another one. You know, I was just always looking for something that would get anybody to take their finger and scratch their head for a second. Just go, oh yeah. Huh. I think around that same time as like, you know, when we first got together and you were really like the cool kid in my head because you had like because been that's in cool. Yeah, well, I know more <laughs> now. But you were like in bands and stuff and you had like you were f- friends with this group of people that I, you know, like kind of was, you know, around, but I was such a recluse that I'd just be at my house on the porch every day. So I thought in my head that you were like some social guy. Little did I know you were just in a trailer and by a campfire doing the same thing as me. And I go into bars (laughs) and I just try and ruin people's nights. (laughs) But then I realized that like quickly at that time that the cool kids, because then we moved into a house that was across the street from some of those cool kids. Uh And I quickly realized how not cool they were because they're so, how close-minded people would get really pissed off Mm -hmm. if to have a conversation like that. It wasn't like when I was younger, I felt like I had a few friends where you could just like lay in the grass in the middle of the night, you know, high as hell and stare at the stars and just wonder anything you no. wanted to come to your mind. Yeah. Those by then after college, you couldn't do that anymore with anybody. I think that's a sign that you're not an intellectual. If you, if you sit and wonder about things at all, you're not an intellectual. Well, you know, what's really <laughs> interesting is there's a, there's a good book that I don't know, I might get made fun of for this, but the Tao of Pooh. So it's a book about Taoism, T-A-O, and, and right? And yeah. it's about Winnie the Pooh, P-O-O-H. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That gotcha. creepy teddy bear without any the, pants on. Well, it looks like the, the Chinese uh, <laughs> Chinese uh, leader over there. <laughs> South Park reference. Very mm. nice. Um, so... Uh, so okay so in the Tao of Pooh they talk about different types of people and they talk about the intellectual and they relate them to the owl from from uh, Winnie the Pooh where he always knows the answer to everything and he's never curious about anything he's always really annoyed with Pooh and then they talk about different types and Pooh being like the closest to being the idiot or the simpleton he's just like he has baby's luck, as they said on that movie, Baby's Day Out. Remember? Oh, yeah. The baby goes off on its own and it just somehow, like, Mr. Magoo's the situation onto scaffoldings on a New York it's construction site. Luck. And it's just baby luck that they just stumble right into things that take them back down to the ground. And, like, Winnie the Pooh's the same way as, like, there was a part in that book that I thought of that it's like, uh, Piglet was so worried that they were they were in the river together and he's thrashing around and it's like making him get sucked into the current and Pooh's just like enjoying it and, and understand like, Oh, the water feels like this and the breeze is like this today. And, um, the current is, feels nice. And he just grabs a log and that just brings him to shore naturally. Mm-hmm. Whereas the one who's struggling is, is, you know, drowning or getting swept away. And it's like, then the, the, there's the worry wart is that, that example. But the, the owl being the intellectual is that never curious, always 
knows everything, really when, bored with things. When they get back, I, I, I haven't read this, but I'm just imagining when they get back from this adventure, the owl says, yes, well, I would never have gone in the water unless I knew the way the current was going. You know, like... Or they'll explain to you about the how the current works, but not be able to do anything in the moment if they were in that sure. situation. And in fact, they probably don't ever put themselves in that situation. So I, and the sad part is, is by this, our society being so obsessed with people going to four year universities, it's just been a brainwashing machine. Everyone that comes out the other side of, well, I'm not going to say everyone, but the majority of people that I know that have gone to university are more closed minded than people who haven't. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about trade school to become an electrician. No, definitely I'm, not trade school. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about four-year universities where they have, like, we live in a college town, and they people come out of that with just junk certifications that I don't even understand. Like, because we have that one college in town where you can just pretty much make up what your certification is or whatever it's called. And when I was of college age and, like, literally, close to literally everyone I associated with went to college... They, they at that place where you could make up your own 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 degree. I knew twenty people who were majoring in screen printing. Screen printing. Screen printing. Like making T-shirts. And then I knew some other people who were majoring in things like one person was doing environmental science and uh, another person was doing political science and some things like that. Well, guess what? I have, I feel pretty confident. I mean, I. Don't keep tabs on all of those people, but all the ones that I do keep tabs on, they all work in record stores now. Maybe restaurants, maybe bars, you know, but you get the point. Right. They They're, don't use that education for anything. It's no. only a notch in their belt to say that they went to college. And I, I know like... But it's more than a notch in their belt to say they went to college. Because I, I see why what, what, what you're saying with that. But to me, it's more because it is a validation of them always being fucking right and like, and for them to belittle the belittle the wonder that people like us have about the world yeah that you could say wow look at that tree i've never seen one that grows like that what's that stuff on there mm-hmm. and somebody could cross their arms and say that's a clematis that that vine that's growing on that tree is doing this and this and this and it's a weed and you should pull it out and i'm like no, don't tell me the name of it that you think you know from a book. Let's like explore what this is and what it looks like and what we think it's doing. And it's just by telling them all the answers and they think they know it, then they go through the rest of their life just not seeing the wonder Mm -hmm. in the world and not seeing the beauty in it and not thinking it's amazing. You go to school for early childhood development and then you think you know all the answers. But then those people are raising the, these kids that are not what they would maybe even want to. And they put them in a school and then go to work at a different school every day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just this, it's broken. And when we talked a little bit, oh, we were just on um, Into the Apocalypse. I was just on Chud's show, Into the Apocalypse, with Adam on the, under the Deborah Gets Red Pilled feed. And we were talking about the nuclear family. Oh, sure. And we were talking about 
how on first glance, the nuclear family feels like what we need to get back to, which means a mom and a dad and some kids. And, and we were taking that a step further and saying the nuclear family is maybe what destroyed the traditional family, the real family, which is parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins living all nearby each other and supporting each other. And really that process was to send people to school to think they're so smart that they should have a great job. And so you put your kids in compulsory education and then you go to a different facility to do the same thing to other children instead of being home with the kids that you actually love. Mm-hmm. It's really, uh, it's really strange. And so here we are, I hear, uh, our, uh, our baby waking up upstairs from his nap. We didn't get much time today. We didn't. It's, we're about 45 minutes. That's not bad. Not bad. I like keeping it in at least an hour. Trying for an hour, but it's hard for us to have that time. But, uh. Um, I just want to, I, I, before we, before we wrap up, uh, cause I'm, I'm always, interested in the subject of, of intellectuals mm-hmm. and whatnot largely because i have a father who's very intellectual Ooh, wow. he reads the new york times like nobody's business <laughs> um and he can repeat stuff from it he can <laughs> and and i grew up with that as a fact in my house well that, actually well not even him saying it i mean it was like a fact in my family uh that my dad was was oh. was the smartest guy in the room all the time the word intellectual, you know, all, all of my mom's sisters and brothers, you know, w- are impre- were impressed by him always. They, everyone always wanted to hear his opinion. It would always take him a little while to start because you'd well, have to think real hard before talking. And that's what my example of well, actually, because I feel like every sentence he starts with is well, actually, in the very long pause. And as, as I've gotten older, I, I love my dad, but man, does he not question anything he has the answers for everything and he changes his answers over time in ways that i i really tangibly see because let's say like the science has changed or something like that and it's there's never um there's never a method to how he gets to where he's at he doesn't say well i used to think this but i've worked it out and now i'm starting to think this no it's this is the way it is. It's a little like 1984 you were bringing up, you know, of mm-hmm. that. No, it's always been this way. You can erase that previous knowledge and just have what he knows now. And intellectual curiosity is uh, like real intellectual curiosity, not the term intellectual like we've been we've been discussing. Like another example I wanted to throw in, too, before we before we wrap up was a time when I was pretty young, teenager, um, and we were all getting real ripped. We were smoking weed at this really cool kind of waterfall thing, but it was sort of like this weird trickle with this, with these cool big boulders out in the woods. And, uh, you know, me and six or seven friends were just getting ripped and, and me and one of the guys, you know, we were probably whispering, we were whispering, we we're going, man, how did this boulder get here, man? dude, this thing's so massive. Like, did it roll down from up there? There's no rocks up there. You know, like we were just kind of having this like stony moment. And this gal that was in the group who was college educated or educating, I think she was in college. She was a little bit older than us. She was like, oh, I can't take it anymore. Can you guys just shut up? And it was like, 
uh, yeah, why? What's what's going on? And she's like, well, you guys are just babbling about how did this thing get here? We all know exactly how it got here. Did you not pay attention in, in school? And she said, it was inside of an iceberg, and the iceberg came through here and cut this... this a glacier. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, a glacier that was in here. I mean, that's how this hill formed that's next to it, and it would have been dropping boulders as it melted, as it went along, because it would have been full of boulders. And that's exactly how it got here, and there's no need to have this 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 conversation that you guys are having. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sorry, I didn't... Uh, okay, I didn't go to school, like, you know, I, I, I dropped out, like, I don't know. And... At the time, you know, I was just like, oh, yeah, gee, how stupid of me to, like, wonder that. And I look back on that, and it's, like, the pinnacle of it. It's mm -hmm. the pinnacle of that idea that, like, dude, we were just a couple of guys thinking about something that was right in front of us. We're sitting on this rock, and we're wondering how it got here, or we're next to it. Well, or not only wondering, but, like, admiring its majesty. And yeah. it's, 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 go, it's like, it's well, hugeness. And we're looking up at the hill and the surrounding and, you know, we're talking about climbing a tree so we can see the terrain better and all this stuff. And the intellect in the room, or we weren't in a room, but the intellect in the group was like, no, you don't need to climb a tree. You don't need to look at that hill. You don't need to look at the rock. We know how it all happened. I just had a really great idea for a horror movie. Yeah. Okay. So... The premise is that this nature boy type hiker. Like Ric Flair? Not that kind of nature boy. Okay. Cool. Not a wrestler. Not an atheist wrestler. So you, this like real like down to earth, like doesn't use technology type guy is giving these like free um, tours of some wooded area where he takes like five people that are like that style of person where I already know everything. I don't need to look at anything and I love my smartphone. And then he takes them and overnight he disappears. And so the next morning these people wake up and they don't have signals for their phones and they can't figure out how they got to that place because they have no freaking memory. Because if you already know everything, you're not really looking at your surroundings. They're not going to remember how to get out of the woods and they're going to freak out. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like the idea of like, I don't know. I used to hike with my dad and we would go hunting and fishing and it was like, he was always pointing out, look at that tree. That's a different kind of looking tree. This one's got a weird square root that sticking out of the, mm -hmm. the ground. And look at that boulder. It looks like a face. Look at the moss on this thing. And it was just ways for us to remember how to get back from where we came because we didn't always take the most basic trail to where we were going. Sure. So and noticing as many markers as possible is right and, and it's our both of our philosophy as we're here working on the homestead as well is just to observe things and appreciate them and watch how they change through time and the cycles that they go through and if you do that now like then you can learn how to work with those things and keep them in your favor um when you when when instead of fighting against them right we know when the blackberry bushes are going to start to grow right now they're back if we need to go find something at that area or we want to clear them out it's time to do it now Actually, they're starting to. They are already starting, starting to, to come up. Yeah. I know. I saw some tulips and bulb type plants coming up, and we have the what are those little dangly ones? And snow, snowdrops. Snowdrops on the ground right out front here. But I think that it's sad because I think the brainwashing to think you should go to college and then be jaded and think everything is dumb and already been figured out it just takes so much joy out of life. And the way you find joy is by looking at all those little things and imagining things that that are beyond your understanding. And allowing that to be okay. 
I don't want to believe that we have a flat earth. I don't want to believe we have a round earth. I don't want to examine that and terrain theory and puddle theory and every other thing I ever hear about. And I always want to look at those things like as if I was going to be convinced by whatever evidence I was re- re- yeah. reviewing yeah. and like allow that to come into me and through me and make me a richer, more interesting person. Mm-hmm. Not to shut people down and say we already have everything figured out. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. If I, if, if I have a, uh, some final, a final thought on this, it's, it's uh, that I think it's really important to have a distinguish, to be able to distinguish between an intellectual by, the, by the, our cultural definition of what an intellectual is and the concept of intellectual curiosity. And I mean, we don't have to dwell on specific words, but I mean that that concept of people being curious about the world around you makes you an actually smart or an actually thinking person. Right. And, and adaptable. And typically what the people that we call intellectuals have the least of that 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 we know. And I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions. <coughs> I bet... I bet if we went to the Mises Institute right now, we would meet several intellectuals who are capable of questioning. Or, or like Tom Woods is an intellectual. Yeah. But he's got an open mind, you would think. But I'm sure like if you talk to him even, that he would he has a point. Well, he's come to the conclusions he's come to, and there they are. He has opinions and they're, mm-hmm. they're firm beliefs. Yeah. And as we know, a very famous... Bird says, belief is the enemy of knowing. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Famous bird. <laughs> Crow. Right? And that's one of my favorite phrases or Absolutely. sayings I've ever heard of anything. I put it on our, like, sign on the wall just to remind me, belief is the enemy of knowing. Like, yeah. it's just always belief examine Belief is the enemy it. of knowing. And intellectuals believe everything that they think they know. Yeah. And they know so much less than they, than than they're under their own impression of right. Of, of what and they do. what what is what this this is the way this society is trending is that because of, I believe because of technology, younger and younger kids are having that superiority complex and that idea of already knowing everything and not being curious anymore because our eight year old engages with some kids that are already jaded and bored with and stuff when our kiddo is like, wow, look at this. This is weird. What do you think it's doing? And we have this long conversation of all the different ways we can imagine how something works. And when we and say long other, conversation, that, that's like a couple days of talking about here and there. Yeah. It might come back up. Yeah. And then, but the, where the other kids like, Oh, just Google it. It's a, it's this one kind of thing. It's like some kind of moss. Oh, you don't have a phone to look up what that is? And I'm like, no, our eight-year-old does not have a phone to look that up. And they turn to the eight-year-old. I'm so sorry. That's not a real story. It's not. It's not. It's it's an exaggeration. But what I do see is kids his age that are in the public school system and are allowed free range with screens. And our kid plays tons of video games. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like YouTube, internet, just do whatever it's just this idea because that it's already all been figured out and it's already all online and you can just look it up whenever you want. So it's no big deal. It's dumb. Yeah. It's dumb to think. And then those kids that are cool, the cool guys are the ones that are already like jaded and bored with everything. Well, there's that, it's just, I mean, that's to me such an obvious dumbing down of things. Like we, we, a lot of people make the joke of, uh, gee, I don't even know my own phone number anymore. 
You know, when I used to know, you know, we all knew. Oh yeah, everyone's phone like numbers. We, were, we yeah. were all like a little, little, little phone book of you know. I mean, you knew at least like ten numbers. You know, like when I was uh, when I was like six, I needed to know at least three phone numbers, and you know, it was only seven digits. Now it's a few more, but it's like, but still, I mean, the and then and then by the time you're like a teenager, you probably know thirty people's phone numbers by heart. You know, and uh, now you hardly know your own. I don't know my own spouse's phone number off the top of my head. I have to like think about that. Mm-hmm. I have to think about. We also, what don't really call each other or like talking. No, we phone. don't. We don't call each other very often. But like, uh, there's like a store that I frequent where we we get a discount. Uh, oh, and you need phone to number, give my number, and yeah. it's your number instead of mine. But you have and, a card in your wallet. <laughs> well, well, now I since since my my beloved dog passed away two years ago. I have his uh, his uh, um, dog tag on my keychain, which has your phone number on it. Mm-hmm. So it's e- easy for me to glance at. Uh, but now, and even then, you know, I glance at that, you know, a few times here and there. And now I, I kind of do have it memorized, but it's almost a habit that I look at it. But my point, I'm getting off my point. My point is that most of us don't know these phone numbers anymore. And that's like a real sign of us dumbing down. Like we're just not retaining information. We're handing off that memory to a a device and to the cloud. When it comes to, if you look at a plant and you don't attempt to think about that plant at all, but instead immediately pull something out of your back pocket, touch the rub on the screen, rub the glass for a few minutes and then go dandelion and then put it away. Uh, And the next time you see that same plant, you don't even think to try and figure out that it's a dandelion in your own head. It's not you, because you we looked in the book the and we know a dandelion is, is that a type of aster? And it's there's a, it's a yellow aster, you <laughs> fucking idiot. It's <laughs> and not a dandelion. And there's a lot of different types and some of them are edible and you can eat the roots and like, you know, you can make a necklace out of it. It's like, it's, it's, uh, if you're present with the things around you, you retain it differently. And if you talk it through, you retain it differently. If you learn it when you're doing it, you, if you try things, you retain it. It's so all these people out there that just can look it up and then think it's boring. It's just they're missing out. Mm -hmm. And so I guess if I have anything to wrap this up, which we might actually make it to an hour because the little guy's just playing. I can hear him. Yeah. Um, I think that we need to hold love in our heart for all these people that are really confused and and not spend time on them unnecessarily. But if you have someone in your life that you love that doesn't see eye to eye with you, you don't need to try to convince them of anything. If they're, it's not their time to understand it, they're not going to be able to learn and it's just going to be frustrating to try to explain it. Don't hide yourself necessarily. You know, don't, don't uh, compromise and to be part of something you don't want to. But just let's just hope that these people are all okay. If nothing else, I say love those people and if you need to, love them in a way where you just talk about what else you have in common hopefully you have something else in common besides current affairs the fucking virus du jour or whatever fucking or else. medical treatments or whatever Ta- talk about music talk about i don't know that satanic ritual of the uh the uh super bowl if that's your deal um the that their favorite everybody loves raymond episode yeah i mean like we i don't know if you don't have anything in common with that person on that level, then, you know, if you want to, if, if that person is important enough to you to be in, in your life, find, find some common ground. Right. 
If, well, if they are important enough, then there is common ground. And if they own, if they are one of those people who like literally their entire life is the news or whatever, I'm, I'm not giving life advice, but get them the fuck out of your life. <laughs> <laughs> and the reality is, is that we can hold love in our heart for people who we choose not to be around. Yeah. And that's what I mean. It's to, to, there's, there's a lot of people that since 2020 and some, not some right away and some over time, I've realized that I can't have in my life in a way that I had previously, but I still love them and I still hope the best for them. And I still wish them well and health and vibrancy and, and like having a fun life. It's, it only hurts you if you're angry at people. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what sucked the last couple days. Cause I, I did get disappointed. I did get embarrassed, but I hope I, I love that person and I'm okay with whatever decisions they make with their own life. I just, I just really disagree with it. It's just, it's hard. But hang on to that love and and that hope and, and find people that you can speak with openly. Like find people that you can have open conversations with. Find people that you can lay in the grass with and look at the stars and imagine all of the endless possibilities. You know, you're making me think about Jesus. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not Christian. This isn't a conservative Christian program uh, like Dave Smith is. But, um, but, uh, I mean, I don't know what you're saying is really making me think of, of that concept of Jesus loving everyone. Um, you know, um, Jesus wouldn't have worn a mask. Jesus would not have worn a mask. Jesus like spent time with lepers. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Oh, you know what? I want to, I want to end this with something. Jesus was a mushroom. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Jesus was a leprechaun. Everyone fucking knows that. Oh, I'm so confused. His name was Tiny Tom. (laughs) Okay. Uh, uh, No, I want to um, to share on this podcast a poem. Yes, a poem. I'm not usually one to um, care about poetry, per se, let alone be able to recite, be able to recite poetry. But I heard a poem um, last uh, solstice. Uh, told by a, 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 a great man in our lives. We had an incredible meditation session um, and he ended it all with this with this great poem and I'd like to, to share it. I, I heard it the one time and I have it I, 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 it meant so much to me it hasn't left my mind and I think it combines very well with what we're ending this on. He said, "Fear knows only fear." Fear even fears love. Love knows only love. Love even loves fear. Which one will you choose? So sit with that. Thanks for listening. Get a hold of us if you're listening and you want to come on the show and talk to us about family values, homesteading, making a home, kids, marriage, uh, and the world as it is today. Um, you can reach us at the world as it is today at protonmail.com. We're hoping to release these every Wednesday. So you'll have this full moon show to listen to this Wednesday and check out our merch. We made some really cool t-shirts, uh, the greener postures, uh, teespring account, and there's some cool conspiracy shirts on there that I created. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Greener Postures and on Instagram at Greener Postures or 
the world as it is today is also on Instagram. YouTube. And YouTube preserving today is my channel. And I've got some videos that I'm trying to put out once a week of how to, how I do in my kitchen. So there's a lot of ways to hang out with us and we hope to get to know some of you and thanks for listening. This was the world as it is today. Peace.